0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Bible Bell Bros podcast. Today I am finally away from Andrew after he got his new house. I've seen him way too much, too often. So today we are down in the Houston, Texas area, hanging out with my real bro, bro in law. Yes. Matthew, bronze level two <laughs> in Rocket League. <laughs> Uh, we I- play a lot of video games when we're together. Probably the only time you ever get to it's play video games. The
1: only time I ever play video games basically is we're together, when we're together.
0: So I don't know if that says much about me As or I don't know. I don't know what you're trying to imply there that I'm always the one wanting to play video games, but it's probably true.
1: It speaks to the depth of our relationship. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. I guess tell us a little bit about you, Matt, what you like to do for fun what do you do for living stuff like that
1: well since me and dusty are bro-in-laws that means that our sisters i mean my wait
0: <laughs> our sisters are sister-in-laws our sisters, no
1: it <laughs> means that our wives are sisters there i got the family tree right yeah um and so i am a native houstonian um i am a father of two adopted kiddos and two adopted doggos And uh, for a job, I am a research scientist. I work for a large chemical company uh, doing research and development in our labs. Professionally, My background is chemistry, organic chemistry specifically. Um, so some of my hobbies are related to science. I like to make soap in my garage. That's the only thing I make in my garage. Oh,
0: uh, really? Yes. <laughs> That's not made out of wood or
1: something like that. Yeah. Um, I used to play a lot of disc golf, but I don't do that much anymore. Uh, sports have always been a big, big hobby of mine. Trying to stay fit and... I'd say, related to what we're going to talk about today, one of my hobbies is being a, a amateur theologian and Christian apologist, I guess you would say, and researching or reading about the interface between theology and science.
0: Hashtag nerd. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. Nerd alert.
1: <laughs> Pretty much.
0: So when we come and visit you in Houston, uh, you you have tons of like sciencey experiments for us to do, which is always fun, and also proves that if you don't play video games all the time, maybe you'll do something with your life. Quite possible.
1: <laughs> So, That's quite possible.
0: <laughs> so anyways, but we, we have a lot of fun here every time we come. We we came for vacation and with the COVID stuff, not much to do outside of our house, but it's been like a staycation for you, a vacation for me. And uh, I yep. think every day there's been, every time we come, your wife is the planner. So is my wife. So mm-hmm. they uh, they have tons of things for us to do. We have a schedule to follow for the most part. And yeah, video games is a part of that schedule. So
1: it's penciled in. It's pen- in all the blank spaces.
0: <laughs> yeah. The very few blank spaces that there are. So that's right. So we've done a lot of fun ones uh this week. Um dissecting owl vomit, owl pellets. droppings, pellets, yep. in weird stuff like that. Making and slime. Making slime, making the uh what are we getting ready to do? The
1: Elephant uh, toothpaste.
0: Elephant toothpaste, yeah. So that'll be fun.
1: We would be doing all these without kids here too, right?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Oh, we're kids. Where are kids. At? <laughs> exactly. Um, but today I, we were talking and I was like, shut up. Let's hold this. Let's record a podcast before we get too far into it. But I want to talk a little bit about creation and uh, the idea. There's multiple ideas of, you know, is was it seven literal days? Did Jesus really take a full week calendar week and create Everything, or did what did it? Did it span from millions of years, thousands of years,
1: billions of years,
0: billions of years? Who knows? Um, But so, just a background for me. I've grown up church boy, like yourself, I believe, right? And so, uh, but my indoctrined theory of creation was seven literal days. Was that? The calendar existed existed before creation, so Jesus made God made sure to create it within the calendar week. No, I'm just uh, I've been taught that it's the Earth is maybe like ten thousand years old. That carbon dating is a flawed system. um, That dinosaurs, basically, dinosaurs existed before the flood.
1: (laughs) Um, So the same time as people. For a little bit.
0: C- Correct. There's like one little interpretation of a verse that mm-hmm. maybe says that. Um, that that the flood of Noah is what put maybe the whole hole in the ozone layer. Like around that, everybody lived for like a thousand years or whatever. Oh, snap. I've never heard that before. And so like volcanic eruptions like right. everywhere. And right. that's where all the water came from basically Uh-oh. to flood the whole earth. Was the water that was surrounding the earth something like that? Uh, but so I've been taught that, which is is fine. And I uh, would be in science class, and when we talk about you know Darwinism and evolution, my, my school was weird. They didn't really grade your papers. She just made sure you did your homework, <laughs> and so I would just write Bible verses as my answers. <laughs> so I had like hundred percent homework grades, and like. 30% test scores. Whoa. <laughs> so, like, I was terrible. And they're like, Dusty, you know, you're really doing a good job with your homework, but you're just, uh, you're just, I'm just not a good test taker. I'm sorry. That's uh, it. I'm it's just not good at tests. Not, and it's not that I don't study. And so, you had talked about, from a Christian standpoint, the possibility of believing that the earth is millions of years old. And so, I wanted to kind of dig into that yeah. a little deeper and, uh... Tell us everything you know about everything.
1: Everything I know about everything. Ready,
0: go. (laughs) Ready, now.
1: You know, I think we were probably brought up fairly similarly um, in that I don't ever remember being told specifically by my parents one way or another, like, Genesis is literal, Genesis isn't literal. I just remember growing up learning the Bible. I suspect my dad is a geologist, and so... Of course, his whole job is based upon the idea that the Earth is billions of years old. Wait, that... wait, wait, wait.
0: Your dad's <laughs> Ross from Friends? Is that what Ross was? Was a geologist? If No, was he an anthro Oh, anthropologist. anthropologist. Okay.
1: So. I cut you off. My bad. Similar, similar in, in <laughs> that they both deal it's, with digging up old stuff. It's got an ist in it. Come on. Except the geologists usually dig up oil. Oh. So, <laughs> gotcha. you know, Ross did, dug up the, the bones of fossilized creatures, and the geologists look for um, oil inside of rock formations that came from decomposed creatures. Gotcha. Looking back on it now, I know that my dad would not have been, a quote, young earth creationist, thinking that the earth was only 10,000 years old because everything he was taught in school would have told him otherwise, and yet he was also a Christian. And so I know that he had somehow rationalized these these things in his mind. And I think he, they, my parents really wanted me to kind of figure out whatever my view was on my own. Mm. I don't remember having a lot of conflicts in school about it. Yeah, so I guess growing up with a Christian worldview, uh, being a Bible-believing Christian, being that the Bible is the inspired word of God, as I started to, I guess, expand out in my scientific endeavors and be a little bit more in tune with what the kind of leading theologians and scientists say on on this topic that we're talking about creation, how did it happen? How long ago did it happen? I kind of started to investigate for myself, at least from a layman's standpoint, I would say, or maybe slightly more knowledgeable than a layman. You know how how can these views be how can these views be brought together? And one one key distinction that I really like was that. In general, science and religion actually seek to ask, seek to answer two different questions. Religion in general answers why are we here? We need a purpose for life, so religion helps us answer that question. Uh, science many times answers how are things working while we are here. So I, I think when you combine those two things together, you can get a lot of cooperation. I think there's a lot of really smart theologians and scientists. Who believe that science and religion can work together, but one time you get one place you get heads butting together, of course, is this creation situation, right?
0: Right. Yeah. So first, because that kind of s- sets the standard for everything, really. Like,
1: yeah, some people would say if you don't, well, if you don't believe Genesis is is literal, then how can you believe anything in the rest of the Bible? You're setting it up for for you know not believing the rest of Scripture if you don't believe the beginning.
0: Well, and with the millions of years, billions of years old versus 10,000 years, things have to happen differently. Oh, yeah. Time periods of things have to be different.
1: Yeah, so you've ended up with a lot of, uh, of Christians who feel like that the the first 11 chapters of Genesis must be interpreted word for word as a literal truth, trying to fit scientific theories into that truth in their mind. And it really butts up against a lot of what science has told us. And, you know, I think God created people with a mind for learning. I think that's one of the cool things about about humans as created beings. There's a lot of special things that separate us apart from the rest of the animals. Uh, one of those is a mind for learning and for science. I think God created that desire to learn inside of human nature. Um, and I don't think he would have done that just to trick us. <laughs> Um, to be like, well, I'm going to create this universe, and you can learn all this stuff from it. But really, it happened a different way, and so I think I think that the desire to learn is inside of each one of us to a certain degree, and people people take that to different uh, different parts of what they're interested in. So there's a lot of there's a lot of science and religion areas uh, subtopics, I guess, subfields that come into contact with each other. And a lot of people butt heads over it. Uh, of course, now on social media, you see people butting heads over things all the time. Like anything, yeah.
0: There's somebody there. That's usually Andrew and my relationship is he likes to argue and I don't. So then he wins every argument just right. by default.
1: <laughs> right. So this this kind of this field that I've been following fairly fairly recently. Um, there's a, a really prominent theologian named William Lane Craig, and He's a, he's a philosopher, he's a theologian, he's a Christian apologist, and I just listened to a long series that he did on the first 11 chapters of Genesis, only looking at it from a literary standpoint. Just looking at the body of work as a piece of literature, what does it plausibly say? And I know that it's possible... It's possible for for God to do anything, right, so I think God could have created the whole universe yesterday and implanted us with all of our memories, and literally everything's only existed for a day. That's possible, yeah, is it plausible? I don't think so. Um, and I think when you look at at Genesis, uh, the first eleven chapters of Genesis are usually kind of considered a separate from the rest of it as the creation story. I like to look at it from a what is plausible, what is most plausible. Question, not a what is possible uh, point of view. And I think when you get into the body of Genesis 1 through 11, there are multiple things that point to it being a much more figurative work of literature than a, quote, literal work of literature. Um, And that probably rankles some people's feathers because they hear, well, you're just saying that it's not true. And I think there's... The true meaning of interpreting something literally is not literally taking it word for word. It's looking at the whole scope of a piece of literature. It's looking at when was it written, who wrote it, who was it written to, what did the world look like at the time that it was written, um, and what was the purpose of the writing. And since this is a relatively short podcast, (laughs) uh, one possible view you can get out out of answering those questions is that... Genesis actually reads um, like—the first 11 chapters of Genesis actually read more like an ancient—what's classified as mytho-historical work. Now, people hear the word myth, and they absolutely freak out because, You're saying Genesis is a myth, (laughs) and you're saying it's not true. We take it literal. (laughs) Look up what a myth actually is, and in ancient literature, a myth was actually— typically a story told about something that happened in the very distant past that was grounded in realities of the present for the author. So saying that the first 11 chapters of Genesis are in a genre called mytho-history is just saying that the author, which many people suspect to be um, Moses, I believe, uh, wrote this part of Genesis as a way to educate his people, God's people, on the nature of God and, in a general sense, how creation happened. There are a bunch of general, I think one way you can look at this is there's a bunch of general truths in this creation story. God created the world out of nothing. That's a general truth you can get out of it. Uh, God created humans separate and special from all the other beings on the planet. That's a general truth you can get out of it. Uh, God has a covenant with his people. You can get that. So there's all these great truths that they don't go away when you consider Genesis 1-11 through 11 from a non-literal standpoint. From a science standpoint, I think there's a lot of issues with trying to force science to prove a young earth creationist view. Um, there's just a lot of things that don't make sense. And so as as a scientist... I had to come to some kind of rational view for myself honestly on how do I rationalize my religion and what I know to be true from various scientific experiments and data that I can look at and read and read about. And in coming to this, I have found absolutely nothing that says you have to believe in science or you have to believe in religion.
0: Right. And a
1: lot of people get stuck on that. Like, well you got to believe this or you got to believe that. And I think, they work beautifully together.
0: So one of the arguments, when it came to literal um, translation, mm-hmm. or yeah, translation, was there's and I can't, I was trying to look it up while you're talking, so I was paying attention to you, mm-hmm. but, uh, <laughs> but I uh, there's a something some volcano volcano on the other side of the world that had erupted and like a huge chunk of rock landed into a lake and it made Big enough waves that it kind of moved the lake Mm -hmm. and then slowly kind of the water kept going back and forth, Mm -hmm. carving a groove that I think was like a fourth the size of the volcano or as a fourth the size of the Grand Canyon in a matter of
1: short amount of time
0: days instead of millions of years. So so that was like proof that possibly the flood created the Grand Canyon, mm -hmm. not millions of years of water running Right. This one thing just, I think for them and, and maybe me too, but for the literal translation people, the, the flood did a lot of things. Yes. To shape the world. And so a lot of things come from the flood itself. And so, um, that's where they say like the, the earth was more, uh, not flat, but not, mm. not as right. Curved and stuff. um, and so all of that happened through the events that had to create the flood to gather enough water to the flood, flood the earth.
1: And I think another belief that is that is kind of common for for people looking at it from this young earth creation standpoint is that before, you can tell me if I'm right or not, before the flood it never rained. Correct. And then yeah. at, at the flood and afterwards it always, it rained from there on out. Correct. And that's, so that's one thing that, from what I would say from a plausibility standpoint, doesn't actually make a lot of sense because there's different places in the Old Testament where the Israelites actually had a fairly... You, you can read in Scripture, and I, I don't have these off the top of my head, but places that actually show that the Israelites had a decent understanding of the what we would call the water cycle. So, you know, it rains, water flows to rivers and stuff, it goes into the ocean, then evaporates, forms clouds, and rains again, right? The water cycle Everybody, our kids learn about in like second grade. Mm-hmm. The Israelites actually understood this. So for an Israelite author to literally think that it didn't rain before the flood and it rained after the flood, from a plausibility standpoint, that's just not plausible. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of those situations where, well, if he was telling the story figuratively, it all kind of works itself out. You don't have to take these as micro facts and be like, well, I got to I got to fit this into the scientific theory somehow that it didn't rain before the flood and yeah. rained after the flood. And here's three reasons why another another area that people really have trouble with, I think, like atheists and non-believers or agnostics have trouble with is just looking at the first two chapters of Genesis. It kind of tells the creation story twice. Okay. Right, It kind of goes through the days mm-hmm. in Genesis 1, and then in Genesis 2, it, it tells the story again. It basically walks through creation again, but almost from a different viewpoint, and things actually happen in a different order. Oh. <laughs> so if you look at them literally word for word, you would actually have to think that the author was purposely writing the story two different ways, and no one would do that mm-hmm. on purpose if they were trying to tell a historical um, story. But if they were just trying to illustrate God's providence and some of the basic, you know, mechanisms that God used to create the universe, then sure, he illustrates how important creation is by telling it twice in two different ways. Um, And so I think you really get stuck trying to fit square pegs into round holes when you when you say, well, it has to be 100 percent literal and there's no figurative language in, in these scriptures.
0: So what you're saying that it is possible to believe in science it is and believe in Jesus <laughs> it actually works
1: and and I think you know it's it's looking at the different parts of the Bible as pieces of literature and kind of what type of literature are they like everybody kind of accepts that what like Psalms is poetry right right Psalms nobody has Nobody has a problem saying that Psalms has a bunch of figurative language in it. Right? I mean, it's very illustrative. Uh, David's, you know, his laments and his praises. There's all sorts of similes, metaphors, and and figurative language in the Psalms. Nobody has a problem with that. But I think when people hear that the creation story in Genesis may be told a little bit more figurative than they think, then it it, it just sends people off of a cliff, and they think, "Well, you just you're not even believing in the Bible anymore." <laughs> You know, for me personally, Genesis is a completely separate book from the New Testament. It's written by different people at a different time. I mean, I have no problem believing in the historical Jesus, and I think there's a lot of evidence for Jesus being exactly the person and and personification of God that the New Testament authors say that he is. Right. And this kind of brings up another little subtopic, is, which is that Genesis is referenced a lot in the New Testament. Jesus talks about Adam and some people will say well if if Jesus talks about Adam and now you're saying that Genesis is figurative then are you saying that Jesus was wrong when he referenced the New Testament um and people get i mean that's that's an important point i would i would agree with that you got to kind of figure out well was Jesus kind of going with the the knowledge of the time and people at that time believed that Genesis was you know, 100% literally true, and so he was just speaking in a language they would understand, but he really knew that it wasn't true? (laughs) Right. Or or what? Um, And one way that this could be explained that I've heard is that, let's say we're talking, and we're we're talking about some sensitive topic, and one of us says something, and the other one says, well, you just opened Pandora's box on that one, buddy. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that you actually believe there was a person named Pandora, and that she had a box? (laughs) And that... The box was opened and all sorts of things came out of it. No, it does yeah. not it does not mean that. What it does mean is that you're taking a reference from literature and using it to ground to illustrate a, a current truth. And so that's that's one possible way to look at like why Jesus or any of these other New Testament authors would have mentioned Genesis um, or characters from Genesis.
0: So you're saying it's possible that Adam and Eve aren't really Adam and Eve. It
1: is. I, I, I think there, is a, there, is, there are, of course, genealogies in Genesis. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of people get like the A's of the earth, right? They add up all the years right. of all the people. right? And so there's kind of two ways to look at Adam and Eve. You can have a literal Adam and Eve or you can have a historical Adam and Eve. Um, Were Adam and Eve truly the first people? And they were the only two people. Here's where you get the incongruencies with Genesis 1 and 2. You know, it it talks, Genesis 1 talks about Adam and Eve, like, they're the only two people. But then in Genesis 2 or 3, right, when Cain kills Abel, Cain gets sent off. And it says he goes off and basically starts his own family.
0: But with who? With who?
1: (laughs) With, like, the the
0: monkeys? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man.
1: And so you kind of get stuck in these situations, like... You know, did Adam and Eve have did Adam have a belly button? That kind, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, and and you go, you go down these rabbit holes. And I think if you look, if you just take a step back and just at least open open part of the mind to the idea that this book may have been written for people to understand at any time. It's written for kids to understand God's providence in creation. It's written for adults to understand it. It's written for people to understand it 3,000 years ago when they had no knowledge of science and it made total sense. And it's written for us to be able to understand it now given everything that we know about it. I think it's really a beautiful book. And it really, it does stand the test of time and it stands the test of different viewpoints um, looking at at its truthfulness.
0: Yeah, I agree. And so... We're gonna end the podcast here because we could just keep going. Because we could go for a while. Every time you talk and you say something, it's it brings again, up something else. Something else, yeah. <laughs> so we yeah should, we should have podcasted on the first day, not the <laughs> last day.
1: We could have had a series. We could
0: have had a series going, but uh, but our
1: wives didn't plan the podcast no, schedule. They did not.
0: I mean, Shay had told me a couple times, "Don't forget," and I kept forgetting. <laughs> so it was Rocket League or podcast. What are we gonna do? Hmm. Hmm. So, but thanks for being on. To me, it was just more when we we're having a conversation, I, I had a very immature reaction to people who believed in science as, when I was younger. Right. And so just being able to be a little bit older in, in everything in my life, um, I've been able to see things differently or mm-hmm. see things outside the box of what everybody's been saying, you know, and the whole podcast kind of theme is around the fact that the church back in the day hated rock and roll music it was of the devil all of a sudden we're playing rock and roll music in churches mm-hmm. for god you know and so it's like um the church uh, in my my experience um my dad marrying a divorced person my mom who was divorced my dad married her and, and was very looked down upon of oh my gosh you that's that's terrible sin and all of a sudden mm-hmm. like there's pastors who are now divorced and it's fine you know <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's it's just a different like viewpoint of it. And so to me, like taking everything with what one person's belief is and not working it out yourself and seeing like, is it actually right? <laughs> you, right. Know, you know, like, and,
1: and how you know. does it, how does it interact with your view of the gospel? Right. I mean, I personally don't think this issue is a salvation issue. Exactly. It's a great thing to be interested in. It's a great way to bring atheists or other agnostics into Christian lines of thought yeah, to the get them thinking. Yeah. Conversation. Most atheists basically decide to be atheists when they're teenagers. Right. Most. Yeah. And so what you what you have is a lot of adult atheists who have very immature views of scripture because. They, they decided when they were a teenager. How many things do you decide when you're a teenager that you, like, regret, right? Exactly. Um, so, yeah, but you're exactly right. Things change. Viewpoints change. I mean, what, Copernicus, right, said that the the earth moves around the sun, not the sun moves around the earth, and he was, like, almost killed for it or something, or ex- <laughs> he was excommunicated from the church, right? because people latched on to some scripture that said the earth is the center of the universe, and this guy was like, well, I got these cool scientific instruments that nobody else knows mm-hmm. how to use, yeah, but... They're telling me the Earth actually moves around the sun, and when you get stuck, just forcing like forcing yourself to only have one view on one topic and not even be open to evidence, right? You know, evidence that might point a different direction. Then you know, that's to me, that's a, a closed-minded place to be. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of really smart theologians and Christian scholars out there who do believe that you know science and Theology and Christianity can actually work really well together.
0: Side note, the shepherds and the wise men, look, they're following the stars. Like, So they have been <laughs> dedicating their life following the stars to see yeah. what was happening. So like astrology, all that stuff is not necessarily technically evil if, yeah. if God is showing himself through the stars they use the if stars. you pay attention. so things now, like that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Keep going, but... Yeah, just we'll stop you. So alright, thanks for being on. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We will be back with Boring Andrew next week. See ya. <laughs>